violence is often individually, but also as churches, it's easy to kind of defer to one over another. And that's just reality of who we are. And probably that's the case for all of us here. One of these, probably really, you're like, man, church, I, I don't give a rip about what we believe, but it's about the family we become. It's about finding people who love you when you never really had that. And some of us are like, you know, forget groups and touchy-feely, blah, blah. Who cares about what you believe? But we need the people who are going out and making a difference and living our life. And some of you are like, you know, who gives a rip about all that stuff? You need to know what you believe. That's really what it means to be a Christian. And we would say uh, yes and no. Like All of those need to work together. And, and that's the purpose of the series. I would encourage you, if you didn't get to listen to any of the previous ones, uh, you can check those out on our website on the Sermon Archive. But today, we wanted to look at this idea of intentional mission and just jump right into it. There's a, a passage from the book of Isaiah, and this is a prophet from the Old Testament, from, uh, from Israel, a prophet. And he, what, I would encourage you, if you've never done this, go into the Old Testament, just, um, or maybe just Google Old Testament prophecies, because you see wonderful things like this. This is way before Christ ever came upon the earth, and this is from Isaiah 7.14, where... The word is, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, this is a prophecy of the the king that is to come. The virgin shall conceive. It's talking about what's going to happen in the Christmas account that some of us are familiar with. So we see the fulfillment of this promise. It's, It's when Jesus came to earth. And it's described in the book of Matthew, among other places. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. All this, and it's describing how Jesus was born, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A little bit more explanation. Emmanuel means God with us. And, and you, if you guys have ever heard about the names of Jesus, you might have heard this name Emmanuel before. And, and we sing songs calling him Emmanuel and this idea we know God with us. And we often think of this as like his name, like Jesus was his name. But he also had like Emmanuel. That was like a, that was another pseudonym. Or when he was hanging out with this crowd, he called himself Emmanuel. And, you know, he had kind of different titles. But this is actually describing not so much his name, but more of his role, his purpose. Um, It's describing his mission of why he would come to earth to be the savior to humankind and how it would be done. And this Emmanuel, this idea of God being with us, God dwelling with us, this is actually a fancy word for, a fancy word for this is called incarnation. And you might have heard that before. Incarnation, it comes from the Latin. And I I don't do this too much, right? Because when I say it comes from the Latin, someone else said it comes from the Latin, and I'm trusting they said it. Um, The word incarnate derives from the Latin in meaning in or into, and carne, or carnis, meaning flesh. So in or into flesh, to make into flesh, to become flesh. I mean, that's where we decided carne. That's where we get meat, right? Chili con carne. Have you ever eaten that before? That means good chili with meat. I mean, that, that, that's what it's talking about, in carne, this idea of becoming into flesh. And this incarnation, then, that's what we see described in the book of John, in the first chapter, verse 14. And this is describing Jesus Christ himself. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is really key for us guys to get down. Um, In one sense, Jesus was born. 
I mean, he, he was born, and, we, you know, we have a great time at Christmas to talk about that. But not in the sense that God was created at that moment. That not that God was made somehow during that time, like a first couple of years of this new uh, century. It wasn't that so much that he came to be then. Um, but this is not random or just kind of like, again, a baby that was born and suddenly, oh, you know, he looks really holy. Let's call him the Christ. This was extremely intentional. This had been in the plan since you see again from the, from the prophecy from Isaiah and throughout other passages as well. That he has always been and is and is to come. So in the incarnation, we discover a God who chose the means by which he would relate to his people. When we see the incarnation, we are given a glimpse of how God desires to reveal himself to his people. In this word, this verse in John, the word dwelt here, this word dwelt, it's the word in Greek for set up a tent. That's what dwelt means, set up a tent, and it's got very intentional usage. So, for instance, um, if someone is moving into Hamden, you know, someone's moving from another place and they're coming into Hamden, you know, a lot of homes, to purchase, and they want to buy a home and they just buy this like beautiful house. But the first thing they do is they just call up the lumber company and say, okay, I want like a fence like this high built all around my home, like front and back. I want gates and poles like boom, boom, with sharp pointy things at the top. Um, you're sending a pretty clear message of how you want to relate to those who are around you. You're kind of saying, I want to separate myself from you. I, I want to live here, but I don't really want to be with y'all. Um, but if you pitch a tent in my backyard, like if I wake up in the morning and there's like a tent in my backyard, Coleman tent, um, realistically, you're probably going to be using my bathroom. You're going to be eating breakfast with us. You're, you're going to be sharing a life with me. And, and that's why God became human. Setting up a tent among us it demonstrates that God wants to be on familiar terms with his creation. He wants to be close. So, you know, we talked about robust orthodoxy. We talked about this idea of the word, and we've got it, right? We've got our Bibles. Uh, We call it the word of God, and we treasure it. But just as ancient Israel, they, they treasured their word. They treasured the word of God. They honored the word they had from God. But something special happened when the word came to earth. From that time on, this idea of the word took on whole new significance. Because until Jesus appeared, God's word meant like papyrus or maybe sheepskin or or some kind of parchment or paper uh, on which the ink had been written out describing the word of God. In, in letters and words and sentences and paragraphs, and it was all intended to convey who God is. And, you know, and that, that's great. We affirm the word of God. We love it. Um, we, we, we don't denigrate the word at all. We think it's holy and perfect. That's described. It's like honey to our lips. But when Jesus was born in Nazareth, something really unique happened. The word took on flesh and blood and skin. And he set up a tent to dwell among us, not just to talk about who God is, but to show us who God is, to demonstrate who God is. So, so when Jesus came to this earth, and he walked the earth, and he spoke, and people heard, they, they, they heard the word of God, but they also saw the word of God. They heard the teachings of the Lord. They heard the truths of God, but they also experienced it and felt it, 
and touched it and breathed it. And no one who observed the word of God himself came away unchanged. You, you had to choose a side. So, so for instance, when, when God, as a man, came as Jesus, um, people knew about the forgiveness of God. They, they knew verses in the scriptures, in the Torah, that talked about how God forgives sin. And, but, but there was a difference when the adulterous woman had, had all, these, all, all these people ready to just cast stones on her and kill her and destroy her. And she looked up to experience this, this teacher, this Messiah, forgiving her sins and telling her to sin no more. The word became flesh. You, you heard about a compassionate God. You heard described in the word that God is compassionate. He's loving. He, he, he loves us. He's crazy about us. But it's a different story when a, a man, Lazarus, died and his flesh finally died on this earth. And you read that Jesus, one of his friends, wept. The word became flesh. And you see compassion. You see kindness. You hear that God heals. You hear that God mends. And, and you, you believe it. But then you see Jesus come and, and heal the blind and touch the lame. Raise the dead. And, and the word becomes flesh. It becomes life. Because when Jesus ministered and taught, people, they saw things that they had never seen before. And it took words that maybe they had heard all their life and brought it to a whole nother plane, to a whole nother level. And on one level, for, for a lot of us here, maybe this can have a lot of significance because for you, um, you've never really thought of God as that personal before. God has not, I mean, he's, he's been a lot of doctrinal points for you, and there's a lot of stuff you know about him. You've studied him. You've read about him. You believe a lot of things. You've even, um, you know, maybe you talk about different uh, creeds and things you affirm about God, but he has not felt very knowable. But what this means when we think about the incarnation, that intentionally God chooses to be with us, we're not negating his holiness. He's still God. But he's showing us that he wants to be known. He wants to be with you. And maybe for some of you, you think of God and, and you kind of bring a parental thing and you didn't have a very close, like, intimate kind of relation with your parents. They kind of fire far off just telling you stuff to do. I, I hope this can be extremely moving for your heart. That he, God is not just in the business of telling you what to do. He's come here to be with you and to show you who he is. And to hold you close. And I know some of, you, some of us get a little, you get a little weird when you talk touchy feel Like, I'm not into that emotional stuff with God. Um, I think God desires to be with us. And to meet you in some of those hard places. And to be known through things like scripture and prayer and gathering like this. And, and, and serving together. So in one sense, I think it shows God's, God wants to be known. But I think this goes just beyond um, what he wants to do within us personally. And, and it takes us into this idea of intentional mission when we, when we take this idea of God incarnate as Christ. Because there's something beautiful that happens when a person experiences new life in Jesus. There is just something, uh, just, there's something special when you can tell someone who did not know God comes to be saved by God. And their heart is touched. 
and someone, and, and that's a lot of our story here, when someone repents of their old ways of living life, of sin, and they choose to believe and follow Jesus as Lord. And what the scriptures would describe this whole thing as, that they have a, a phrase, they would call it Christ in you. That when you become a Christian, it's not just choosing like your religion as if you would choose a political party. It's not choosing kind of like your club that you would part of. It talks about that there is a very change within you that once you were apart from God, but when God saves you through the sacrifice of Christ, it says now Christ is in you. That's, that's amazing, huh? That God doesn't just tell you, off, go off and do some good stuff for me. Come on, represent. That's not what he's saying. He's like, I am Christ within you. He is part of our being. And this is really the essence of the Christian life. And, and this distinguishes the per, from the person who knows about Jesus. Because that's, I mean, the truth is, right, and we have a whole generation, this, you can know much about Jesus and not actually be known by Jesus. There's a distinction there. And that's one of the reasons we talk about uh, real faith. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing God and having Christ in you. And, and, and the way that we can describe this then, if that's happened to your life, is it's almost like a personal incarnation. It's almost like a personal sense of God uh, coming, the word of God taking on flesh as Christ dwells in you, doing that within your life. So if in the first century, God was sending a message to the people about his desire to be known by sending his son to pitch a tent and to dwell among them, it's reasonable to conclude that now he's also trying to send a message to our world by being incarnated within you and me. In the same way that he incarnated within his son in first century Palestine. And now in in 2015 Baltimore, he is incarnated within us so that we would go forth and show who Christ is, show who God is. Amen? Same, Same principle here. Because God desires to let the world know who he is through you and me. God's main way that he wants to tell the world who he is, what his character is, how great he is, is through you and my, our lives. You are his answer. You are his answer. And and some of you right now, you get really uncomfortable when I say stuff like that. You're you're like, okay, Holmes, um, you know, don't, don't look at me. You know, I, yeah, look at Jesus. Don't look at me. And, And you know, we do that, right? Because we live kind of a, if you're like me, you feel like sometimes you live kind of a scrubby life. And you're like, oh, man, you know, praise God he saved me. But, oh, man, I got so much to grow in. Uh, I'm not really doing what I should be doing. And we want to say, don't do as I do. I mean, come to the church. Listen to but Don't don't do as I do. Because I'm still, like, way over here. And there's a lot. Um, But God doesn't let you off that easily. He, he, He doesn't. He has purposely arranged things so that people will make their conclusions about who he is through your life, through my life, through how we represent him. And, and guys, that's not a mistake. And that's not an afterthought. That's not, oh, man, God's not in heaven thinking, man, I had like this tremendous skywriting thing. I was just going to get like a big finger in heaven and just write a big message into clouds. Yes, I am real. Yes, I made it all. Yes, believe in me. Trust me. And, And thinking, all right, that'll get people. 
Maybe a big booming voice from the sky says, yes, this is God. Follow me. You know, that'll really come. It's not like that was out of business. So he said, okay, I'll use these people. It's always been his plan to incarnate his message through you and me as we are sent. As we live for him. We are exhibit A of Jesus Christ. So, so what this means, for those of you, if you follow Jesus in your life, what this means, um, life has to be about pressing into other people. Life has to be about intentionally pressing yourself into other people. Just as God pressed into us through the incarnate Savior, um, we cannot hope to be the people who God has called us to be without pressing into others in the same way. Because, I mean, truthfully, ministry it can be pretty simple if it's just about saying things from afar or if, 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 if ministry or living on mission, it's just about living my life. And maybe if people notice, maybe I'll tell them about God if they ask me. If, they, if, if it's just that, I mean, I, I, that's okay, but I think it's meant to be so much more than that. It's a whole other matter to intentionally press into other people. And, and it's hard. There's, I mean, there's a part of me. Ministry would be so much easier if I just stood up here. If this is like some of you, and I think you think this, right? Because I can usually tell when people ask me the question, so what do you do the whole rest of the week? Because it's like my job is just this one hour preaching here. And you're thinking the rest of the time, you must like go golfing or watch Netflix or you, know, you can't imagine what a pastor would do, right? Um, I mean, it'd be easy if this is all there is because I can talk. You know, I mean, I could go back to like John Edwards days and preach like hours and hours. I mean, we, we're in a different culture, so I won't do that. Um, I, this is the easy part. Real ministry for me that's sometimes challenging is being out amongst real people and listening to real stories and pressing into folks. Because what happens if you're with real people and real pain, real loss, real scars, as we're going to talk about the next few weeks, you can't help but somehow take it upon yourself, right? And some of you have done ministry. You feel the pain. I mean, someone else's pain, but if you walk enough with them, you're like, oh, man, it's like I feel that too. And it's hard. It's difficult. And if anyone says ministry is easy and if they're just smiley happy all the time, I'm not trying to be a wise guy, but I'm going to ask, are they really doing ministry? Because being in ministry is really being with broken, hard people because it's hard to press in and take on stuff. But I want to encourage you that even if it sounds like a difficult thing, it's, it's extremely beautiful. It's the heart of mission. It's the heart of ministry. Because at its core, incarnation, it reminds us, that God's message is hope for broken people in a broken world. And I know all of your lives here are extremely perfect. You know, you're just here because, you know, you have like a whole list of good things you do in a week, and this is another one of them. Um, I know no one here has got issues like, like I might have. But some of you, you might have some brokenness in your life. A few of you, right? You might have some brokenness, some wounds in your life. And, and it's amazing how God, as he slowly starts to repair you, sometimes it feels like huge leaps. Sometimes it feels like little tiny steps. But as he starts to do that repair in you, it's amazing how he sends us to be his messengers of repair to others who are broken and wounded in our world. That God sends you to incarnate his message of hope. He... he he sends us to take flesh on his message of hope, on your flesh, and to go forth in his name and his power to those who are of broken spirit, to those who are of broken mind, to those who are of broken body. Take the words of Jesus and make them real in your own flesh. 
you know, through your intentional use of words, um, through your intentional kindness to people, through your intentional sacrificial service. And, and, and guys, that's, that's really what, you know, as we talk about intentional mission, that's, that's a lot of what our church is about. It, I mean, there's a lot of ways of doing church in 2015 America. And I'm, as I say this, this is not denigrating any of that. I am, maybe, maybe you think I'm wishy-washy. I, I say whatever will get people in to hear about Jesus, I'm all good with. You know, if you get like a Ferris wheel on stage and people will come to hear about Jesus, woohoo! If you can pay for it, do it, right? Smoke machines, if you can find one, if that's going to bring people to Jesus, I am all for it. But for us, we've chosen a different path. We've chosen that we're not just going to be about a show. We're not just going to be about putting on the best show that we can in the hopes that many people will come and be drawn into, like, the circus in town and then hopefully hear about Jesus as that's going on. But our, 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 our story is, yeah, this is a huge part of it, but the goal in this is always to send you out. If this is it, if this is it, we come in here with, oh, Jesus, and this is it, and we're done, we're just wasting time, wasting money. This can't be what it's about. It's about coming here and being blessed and having the Spirit just move alive in you to send you out in the power of God, to be a missionary to whatever pocket that is. And I love the diversity in our church, not because it makes us feel all like PC, but because it's mission. It's so many different groups of people represented here that me, any one of us by ourselves would not be able to effectively reach. But you will be able to reach people that no one else might be able to. And, and that's been the story of our church. And, you know, and I just love seeing this lived out in our community. And, and as I want to mention a few examples. Even as I do that, I, I realize I'm probably missing like a lot of stuff. But for me, as I think about intentional mission in a church, I can't help but think about like Adam Grace and Melissa and their family. And if you don't know them, they have been here from the very beginning, before there was a beginning. Like, they were here helping to plant this. And before there was, like, a crowd of people, I, this one story I just can't get out of my head. We would, do, we would do, like, benefit concerts and, like, little movie nights. And I would remember them at the time with two little kids and young couple out, like, holding babies and walking along the avenue and flyering in, the, in businesses. That's mission. Going out of your comfort zone so that someone might hear more about Jesus in whatever way you can do. It's not glamorous to put up flyers. But holding little babies and little wild babies and going door to door. And I just get so encouraged. And I, in general, I get so encouraged by the young families at this church. You know, we've got people like, and literally like holding babies in one hand and like serving and doing whatever else going on. And I don't know if you know this. Maybe for us, it's just become normal, which is great. Most churches... When you have that kid range between, like, zero and, like, ten, they just tell you, all right, you know, we understand this is a hard time of life. We'll hopefully see you, like, every couple of months or so. Don't worry about getting too involved. Just be here if you can. Please keep giving. You know, that's it. But for us, those, those folks were such a crux. Like, people on mission coming early to sing and to serve and to set up food and to fold papers, and to go out flyering. It's the heart of mission, going. I, I think about people like, I mean, it just, there's a lot of people. Just recently, Ebony in particular just, just comes to mind. Just constantly inviting folks to come. 
I don't know how many people I've talked to, and, they, and I asked them, how did you hear about the church? They're like, Ebony told me to come. Praise God. Praise God. Inviting people who most of them to a person will say, oh, I didn't know I can go to church. <laughs> I've lived a rough life. You don't know what I've been involved in. I've used up all my chances. And having someone who's a part of the church tell them, no, no, this is a safe place. Come. Come. That's mission. Amen? I mean, and this is a lot of people. I think of someone like Thomas. And if you don't know Thomas, it, it, just such a, I, I think of him as just such a heart of kindness, reaching out to people who are new. Because in a community like this, and if you're new, if you feel kind of left out or kind of feel hard to find your niche, welcome to the club. I would say that's like 75% of the people. And people like Thomas are so key to go out of their way to go to people who he can tell are new and let them know, hey, you can be part of this. Hey, let's hang out. Hey, we're having people gather together. And making mission happen. Huge. And so that's so many of you. I mean, that's not just this one. That's so many of us here. Man, I, I, I think about our past Christmas market. Minji, is Minji here? I mean, we were doing a Christmas market, and I saw on Facebook she started a fundraising campaign to raise funds so that she could buy more gifts for the Christmas market. How insane is that? How awesome is that? But going out of our way to be on mission, intentionally, going outside of what's just normal so that maybe one more person could hear about God. One gentleman, Duval, that I've been met, he, he lives at the senior homes down at 3939 Roland and met with him recently. And first meeting we had, he develops a proposal to me saying, hey, I've got a plan that we could start a worship service at here because a lot of the folks that live here, they can't make it down to the church or they're a little scared or they don't want to join. Well, how about you come and you lead a bus and I'll get everyone there. You just bring some good snacks. That'll get everyone come. And just this idea that if I'm going to live in this building, I'm not going to just waste my years away, but I want to love the people here. And let's do whatever we can to reach out in the name of Christ and to love people who need to hear about God. Is Angela here? Angela, are you here? I'm in. I I don't know if you guys have noticed. Is she She's probably up there because she's doing our media. Um, you, pr- you guys have probably noticed that our, our, like, graphics and arts have taken, like, extreme uptake from, like, me finding clip art on Google to, like, these beautiful, like, and, and Angela has just been just doing so much. And I hope her and others, you know, that when you serve, and some of you are, like, you, you come in here, you've worked work days, and you don't know how I, like, I'm, like, weepy when I see a, a work days, and it's, like, 10 to 2, and I come back here, like, 9 to 10 at night, and, and guys are still working painting downstairs. An intentional heart of mission is not even just your words. It's, it's your service. It's doing whatever you can do so that some more people might be able to hear about Jesus through work that just seems just what you would do. And making these graphics, and and I love to tell our people, this is not just making things look nicer. This is mission. Because you make maybe another little step for someone to hear about these things. It's key. 
I mean, Kevin was mentioned earlier as, as and you know, he, if you don't know him, get to know him because he's, he's, he's new to our community, but he's an amateur boxer in the city and he's on the path to the Olympics right now. And we, you know, me and Rob got to go to his fights last night and just, he was the main event. He did a fantastic job. And you know what? I want to be really careful because I'm not glorying that he's a great fighter. I mean, he is, but that's not what I'm glorying in. I'm glorying in the fact that since I've met him, his goal has been, this is all about Jesus. That I use my occupation to honor God. That I'm using these talents and gifts and skills he's given me so that more people might know God. That I want to be excellent in what I do, not just for my own glory, but so that God might be more known. And I think that's many of us here in your jobs and your occupations. Mission is not just about what you do here on Sunday. It's about being sent back to where you spend the majority of your time. And being excellent in what you do. And being a person of character and integrity and working hard. And not just success, but loving people while you do it. It's mission. And again, there's just so many different examples. But I think this maybe encompasses a lot. It's that idea of not letting church become just this kind of safe place. Um, And the bigger we get, honestly, that's going to be more and more difficult. But so many of you have created a culture where it's just abnormal for us to just be very religious on the outside and just come and do church. But you've said, hey, it's normal that we're broken and we're coming and we're experiencing redemption, that we're going to shed some tears, but that this is a safe place to shed tears together. And we're going to point one another to the Redeemer and to hope. And for all of you who have ever shared some of your story, whether it's your joys, whether it's your tragedies, whether it's your brokenness or it's your highs, know that you have contributed to mission because you're spurring on others who somehow have this jacked up idea of God that he only takes perfect people. And you say, that's not true. Look at my life. God is working. And I celebrate those things because it's all mission. Because, guys, we have to recognize that intentional mission, it's not just about seeking to do a one-time community service project. That For a lot of people, that's what mission is, right? Let's go do mission. And they're thinking of like a project, but it has a cyclical effect. And I really, I, I, I'm, my goal is not to embarrass these guys, but I think of Dennis and Chris here. And, and you, you might not know fully a lot of their story. Um, they, they started coming Easter a few years ago. The first service was Easter. They lived, they were one of our neighbors right up the block. So I said, hey, we're having lunch after service. Why don't you come? And they came. They've been here like ever since every week since then. Like probably the most consistent people in our church. Growing like crazy. Got saved, baptized. Um, just God doing stuff in their kids. Just amazing stuff. But you know how that started? And I had no clue about this until way afterwards. I was looking at some old pictures. And we had done a block party the summer before that Easter. So whatever, six, seven months. And I was looking at and right here on the block, 37th Street. It was okay. I mean, it was all right. Um, I didn't think that much of it. I was looking at the pictures. And I saw Dennis's head under one of the tents. I'm like, what's he doing there? I had no idea they were there. They had come to that block party. And that was, I think, their first exposure to the church. And, you know, it didn't bear, they they didn't come to Sunday worship the Sunday right after that. It was the Easter way later. But I praise God for all these efforts. And this, I'm encouraging, because when we do things like block parties or Christmas outreach or these, this is not just for us to be better citizens. This is not just for us to be better members of the community. That's part of it. But part of it is laying down tracks that you never know how God's going to use that to draw someone closer to him. Amen? 
That's what mission is. Thinking sickly. Because I think sickly. What I mean by that is, as these guys' lives have been transformed, you don't know how many people in this neighborhood, when I talk to them, they say, how did you hear about it? Oh, they told me to come. They told me to come. They told me to come get, some, get a ham. They told me to come to this event. They co- it has a cyclical effect, guys. When you make an impact on someone's life, that will always cycle out. And again, I don't want to make it sound like a life of intentional mission is easy. Um, it's, it's hard. And maybe the hardest challenge is just our own hearts, realistically. Because we're busy. Like, as, as Jason was saying, I, I really was touched during the worship. We're tired. We're exhausted. We beat ourselves in our work, our school. And then you come to church and you're like, you want me to do what? <laughs> My whole life is busy, and now you want me to do more? And it can be tiring. It, it can, you, if your heart's not right, you can get bitter. Maybe some of you, that's why I hear it. You got bitter somewhere else. So hopefully you don't get bitter here. <laughs> but the challenge is, and I face this every day, our needs take priority over everyone else's, right? Um, and if that's the case, it can be difficult to think about others because we get consumed by the disease of self. I, I never got vaccinated against disease of self. I struggle with it every day. <laughs> Everything around me revolves around number one. And, and part of God's saving work is, yes, he wants to save you from, like, things like drug addiction or from pornography. But the truth is he also wants to just save you from yourself. He wants to give you a different way of living. He wants to give you a way. You've been taught if you focus on yourself, then your life will be joyful. That's a way to death. (laughs) The truth is when you focus on God and others, that's the path that leads to life. It doesn't seem to make sense, but that's where God leads you to life. Because ultimately, the way that we put flesh on this message of Jesus is when it's been made flesh and pressed into your own life. So for us, when you do get tired, when you do get weary, when you do feel like self is becoming a little too prominent, the goal is not to just try harder. The goal is, come on, come on, slacker. You know, be a little bit more missional. What's wrong? Haven't you read the books? You know, be a little bit more sacrificial. Look how much God is doing. Because when it comes down to it, what God is doing, it's not really comparable. When you feel like your life is like, I have nothing left. But in those moments, I found it extremely helpful to just get back to basics and to remember what God has done in pressing into my life. And if you're a Christian, I think that's a helpful practice to remember how God has pressed into me. And for me, at times when I feel like I'm getting selfish or I feel like I'm getting tired of people, and I, I know it's hard to believe that, right? I got like an extremely friendly face. It's hard to believe I ever get tired of people. Sometimes, every, every so often. Yeah, I'm, that's when me and Dennis hang out, when we're tired of people. And then we look at each other, which is not very helpful. But the, the thing is, I, I go back to my own story of remembering when I was an extremely rebellious person. Um, extremely violent. You know, at a point in my life where I would probably be getting in a fight like every weekend. Extremely um, angry. I was, I was a racist. I hated every other people. I even hated other Asians, right? <laughs> racist. I was very sexist. And certain things, obviously, you know, embarrassed to talk about, but that's the truth. You had a very um, ugly attitude towards women. 
in, in many different ways, uh, full of lust, um, a lot of self-hatred, but hatred of other people as well, uh, to the point where I was in one fight and thought, you know, in the middle of a basketball game, thought I got away as if I had many other times and just got a call from the cops that week saying, yeah, one of the guys you were with, they, they actually reported that you were here <laughs> and got, you know, got arrested, uh, mugshotted, thrown out of school at the time. I got thrown out of college, had to work in a, you know, in the middle of the inner city in Philadelphia and just, it was a real breaking point. But I remember just thinking at those moments, God's mercy upon my life. I, I don't I don't deserve anything from God. And that, that God showed mercy on this sinner. God showed kindness when I was not kind. God showed grace when I was very ungracious to other people. God showed um, steadfast love that never ends when I'm someone who was very unreliable. He was pure and kind when I was very impure. And, and, and God reached into my life when I wasn't asking for it. Extremely good to me. Extremely good to me. But even more than that, I think it's after that time when my life started to get a little more cleaned up, um, realizing that I got to a point where I became very arrogant. I became very self-righteous. I became very religious. I became very uh, looking down upon people who weren't doing it the right way. And sometimes I think that's the greater miracle that God reminds me how much I need him in those moments as much as I needed him when I was that destructive person. So for me just being reminded of how God entered my life. Christ made himself in me when I didn't deserve it. It, it, it. it floods my heart. It reminds me, if he's done that with me, I now go and do that with others. And I would encourage you, maybe a first step for you is to just remember what Christ has done in your life. For some of you, how he saved you, how he's transformed you how he's redeemed you from certain things, how he's still redeeming you. Some of you are still going through your stuff, but he's been faithful to you. And as you dwell on that, to worship him, because guys, that's always the impetus that sends us out to tell others about Jesus when we think about what he's done for us. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. I ask you to stand with me. As you stand before the Lord, we're going to go into time of singing and response and communion here as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus in our lives. And if you are a Christian standing in this room, I'm almost unless you were on an island by yourself and you found a random Bible and started reading it and God revealed himself to you. I mean, that happens, I guess. But probably the rest of us here, it took someone intentionally being on mission in your life for you to meet the living God. Someone went out of their way to show kindness to you, to teach you the Bible, 
to reach out to you when you were rebellious, to be kind to you when you were a brat. Someone did that in your life, and our job is not to do something amazing in our generation. Our job is just keep it going. Our job is just keep it going with the next person in our life. Who is that to you? Who's the neighbor to you? Who's the classmate to you? Who's the family member to you? Who's the coworker to you? Who is, who's, who is it to you? And just keep it going. So we're going to take time remembering Christ here. We have the table up here, the broken body of Jesus represented in these broken pieces of bread. And take one of those pieces and dip it in the cup. And remember the blood of Christ that was incarnationally shed for us. That he came on this earth with real blood and real flesh that could be torn apart and that could be spilled so that you and I could be made redeemed to the God of the universe. And remember that. Remember what he's done in your life first. How he's incarnated himself in you so that now he would send you to incarnate him to others. Whatever that looks like to you. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your neighbor. Whoever it is. And if you've never experienced that, that heart of what it means to be redeemed, when we talk about Jesus saving, you've never experienced that, I would encourage you today to just stop and not just try to be a good person, go do more, but stop and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Save me. If you've met all these other people, meet me. And the cross is our symbol that he has done that. He's become part of a world to make us right in God. So let's respond however, whatever it looks like to you. If you're going to receive communion, you can come up both sides at the same time and do that. You can come up in groups, pray, whatever it looks like for you. And let's just respond to the, uh, God's word as he sends us out on his mission. Yes. Mm-hmm.